Sweet Valley Online. This week we're discussing Sweet Valley Twins number 50, Jessica and the Secret Star. I'm Raven, and I'm an undercover actor researching the role of an overweight, middle-aged, game-obsessed nerd. I'm here with my not-so-evil triplets, Wing and Dove. I'm Wing, and I don't know how to act. I'm Dove, and I was in a fairy liquid commercial when I was five. I am also the voice of a claymation cow named Daisy. Beautiful. Where Raven has to hand me the lines. Like, this is how bad I am. I'm like, he gives me the line. I'm like, I just blurt it out with no talent whatsoever. And he's like, no, try it again like this. And then I mimic him exactly. And now he's like, yay. You were wonderful. (laughs) I do think you're great at mimicry. You do that with uh, your fic writing too. You're really good at tapping into the tone or voice of a piece. I really like that mimicry. So what you're saying is I have no original talent, but I'm a really good rip-off artist? Because I'll take that. I mean, that's not, like, uh, so, not to immediately go off subject, but so my writing group friends, Karen and Robin, just published their book, The Empress of Timbra, and part of what's so good at it is they, it's uh, two points of view characters back and forth, but they both mimic each other's writing style so well. Like, that's a really big talent that uh, a lot of people don't have. I don't have it. I can't mimic other people's writings. It's basically my tone or no tone. <laughs> So yeah, I meant it as a compliment. Though if you want to take it as haterade, you take it as haterade. I have issues. <laughs> There's a new girl in the Sweet Valley Middle School sixth grade. Why? Because it's Tuesday. Maria Slater has joined the school from LA, and everyone is completely unbothered. Probably because there's a new girl in class every five fucking minutes. Everyone is unbothered. That is, apart from Jessica, who discovers by sickness-induced absentia that Maria isn't all that she seems. Maria Slater is, in fact, a super-famous child actress, star of Lifetime cancer films, toilet roll commercials, and straight-to-VHS E.T. rip-offs. After mistaking a Maria Penn short story for the girl's journal, Jessica concludes that the new girl is an undercover actress researching a role, the role of ordinary 12-year-old girl. When she confronts Maria... The new girl plays along with the tale, rather than admit the truth, that she's no longer a Hello Kitty kawaii eight-year-old, and thus she's undesirable by Hollywood. Jessica, after promising to keep this secret, immediately tells the unicorns, and soon the whole school knows about Maria's story. The students go apeshit for Maria autographs, and the lies about her upcoming film about the ordinary 12-year-old girls gets more and more outlandish. Johnny Book is in it. Melody Powers is in it. Kent Kellerman has a nude scene. It's being directed by an eight-foot-tall ocelot. It's being filmed by trained mice. The soundtrack is only audible to penguins, and the world premiere is on fucking Saturn. Eventually, after Lila organises a huge cast and crew party on Daddy Fowler's apricot and puce yacht, Maria is forced to confess that A. There's no film coming out about ordinary 12-year-old girls, and B. Like her costume from her toilet roll commercial, her career has been flushed down the shitter. Everyone cheers, nobody cares, there's a party on a boat, the end. Also, Maria is black, and it's in no way important, which is refreshing. Jessica and the Secret Star, decent. Well, you nearly killed Wing. I was both um, chuckling away at your recap and the fact that uh, Cork my cat, just jumped on my desk, snatched a ribbon, and ran off with it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Nice. 
Was it a purple ribbon? Because maybe he's a unicorn. It actually is. Unicorn. Um, <laughs> a unicorn. Ah! All right, I'll just take a picture. Beautiful. I really hate when Raven goes after me in a podcast lineup because his recaps, the summaries are so much fucking funnier. Oh my god. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's good to say. I'm glad you enjoy them. I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was uh, great fun. I thought Maria was great. I thought the story was great. I thought Jessica was great. But by far the best thing in this book for me was the unicorns. I thought the unicorns were at peak unicorn power. They were absolutely wonderful. There was line after line after line after line of sassy, stupid, mistake-ridden dialogue that you just know that the unicorns come up with. And yeah, the whole thing just it felt gloriously fun. Which is which is great. Which is what, what I'm reading the books for. Yeah, I like it when things are fun. Um, I know that sounds like a really stupid thing, but um, Wing was recently rewatching Baywatch, and it inspired me to watch it. And I thought, are we like the only three people who enjoyed that movie? Because it's fucking fun. What's wrong with you? It really is, and I loved the rewatch even more than I loved watching it the first time, which was <laughs> in a movie theater with uh, Dove. Raven and Ostrich, two ostriches utter sadness. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most fun about it, I think. Yeah, uh, just to clarify, she doesn't just mean that she went with us. I mean, we were the only four people in the entire movie theatre. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh my God, amazing. Um, but yeah, I like it fun too. Like, there's a lot of good to say about fiction that tackles really painful, important, serious subjects, but you have to have fun in your media too. And this was fun, even for Sweet Valley. Like it would have been fun outside of Sweet Valley. It was just a good story. Yeah, and I mean I think Raven spits in in his written recap, but there were so many quotable lines like um yeah. I mean Raven actually texted me um when he got to the we're average line. That was just so good. We're average tomorrow, explained. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the man. only time the unicorns are going to be okay with being called average because they're <laughs> so excited about this. It was beautifully done. Yeah, very, very impressed. Yeah, I'm still laughing about that one every now and then. Every now and then I'm just out at work and I'll just go, we're average tomorrow, explained. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Awesome. That I know what, what colour puce is. Uh, it, it's the colour yeah, of a puce. It actually came up in one of my jobs and I don't know why. And I was like, I know this one! Okay, that's weird that it came up in one of your jobs. I think it, I think it was the estate agent job. So of all of my jobs, it was the least weird that it came up. No, well, that's that I mean, I mean it, it would be fucking weird if it was like the funeral directors or the law firm. <laughs> <laughs> Now that one would be creepy, I like it. Yes, uh, the corpse is puce. <laughs> Sounds like we have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I really liked this book. Well, I actually really liked um, Jessica and Stephen's little exchange. I don't know what like Raven's takeaway was, but I really liked just the fact that Stephen got addicted to all of Jessica's shows while they were both off sick. So Days of turnips. Yeah, and, <laughs> but was amazing. irritatingly older brother about it as well. It was like a few non-creepy interactions they've had, like probably since the older boy. Yeah, well, they were probably both, they were both ill. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's why they didn't Clearly, know. That was it. Kills the libido. Yeah. But no, uh, the, the fact that, yeah, the... 
that Stephen wanted to watch WrestleRama, and she was like, no, I want to watch Days of Turmoil because... I don't know, Jake Ramore's just been hit, injured in an archery accent, but it was really his brother Drake or something like that. It was all, all, all really, really, you know, what you expect that sort of soap opera to, to be. And yeah, it was, it was good fun. It was good fun. Yeah, and the fact that she sort of like uh, brings it up the next day, she was like, so, um, you know, did you watch it? And he's like, no. And she's, she says, well, I can't believe that Jake got hit by an arrow. And Steve was like, ha-ha, it was their long-lost triplet. <laughs> Rake, Ramore, you know? It was super cute. He's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah happened. It's like, no, he really legitimately went on to watch the show the next day. I love that. I love that. I mean, that, that, that sort of fun was through every single part of the of, of the, the main story and the, the, the spin-off stories and all the, the, the narrative all that sort of joy was the whole thing. I mean, when they were describing um, Maria Slater's career and the stuff that she's been in, she was in, admittedly, a film about cancer, which had a nice little scene when when Mandy Miller told her about her cancer, and she was like, oh, I've she was thinking, Maria was thinking, I've only played the girl with cancer, and this is somebody who's actually this brave, and that's awesome. And that was a nice scene, but then there was also the fact that she was in a film with an alien... And she was in uh, the what was what was the she was in a toilet paper commercial the softy toilet it was the toilet paper uh, toilet. commercial that's the one the yeah. softy toilet paper but the, she was wasn't she something else like the I don't know like the Dolmio girl or something like that she was in an advert for in a in a later book it references that she was dressed up as a an ice cream sundae <laughs> yeah well Amazing. yeah and that that stuff's all very cute and very funny. And you know that that's funny by itself. You know what I mean. You don't mm-hmm. need the story for it. They're just those those things themselves are funny, and you you read them and you laugh and yeah. I know that's all very basic, but that's 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 how it felt. It all felt it felt down to earth and refreshing and fun. No no guile or anything. Not nothing. It was presented as it was. It was just a fun read, which was great. Right. Yeah. And Maria's older sister, um, like their relationship was great as well. Like, yes, a bit of like sort of a tiny bit of sibling snark, but a whole lot of sibling support as well, which was just it was just really good sibling interactions across the board. Jessica and Stephen, and Maria and her sister, even Jessica and Elizabeth have a couple of really brief moments, mostly because Elizabeth's not super active in this book. She is involved in a couple spots, but mostly she's just kind of in the background doing Sixer stuff, which I appreciated. Not necessarily what was being done, which I'll have a little nitpicky complaint later, but in general, <laughs> I liked that the balance was mostly on Jessica and the unicorns because they were yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah, they really were. The, from from the word go, the unicorns were just making me laugh and laugh and laugh. So that's awesome. Yeah, and every time he hit a part that made him laugh, he would send me a screen cap of it and text it to me. <laughs> I was like, he is that's fucking adorable. loving this book. Like, yeah, it was great fun. Thank God we upgraded our phones because my phone is just like full of screen caps of this book. <laughs> no, it was. It was great. I mean, talking about the stuff that Elizabeth, one of the, the nicest things... Um, well, one of the things that, that, that made me go, oh, this is really well written as well as being fun, was when Maria had confessed to Jessica and the school had found out um, that she was apparently this undercover actress. Because the way they'd managed to do that was that um, there was an emergency sleepover party arranged just so they could get 
Maria there and play truth or dare with her and make her tell the truth to the question of, are you an undercover actress? Um, listeners, very quickly, have you ever held, thrown or been invited to an emergency sleepover or slumber party? <laughs> I, I literally need is. to know this. Please tweet, email, leave messages. I don't know. Skywrite it. Tell me I need to know. Emergency sleepover is the greatest thing the unicorns have <laughs> ever done. <laughs> But then, then the school found out, obviously, when she said, yes, I am. I am the uh, the famous Maria Slater. I'm going to be in a film with, <laughs> with Ken Kellerman and Melody Power and Johnny Book and everybody else, Nick England. I'm going to be in a film with three musicians and one TV soap star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, can't really see that working well, out. It's all very, I'm going to be in a film. Who's in it? Who's that person you like? Oh, Johnny Book. Yeah, he's in it. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just that, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. But then, then obviously, when when Marie's having second thoughts about coming up with these lies, and she's like, "Oh, I really wish you could tell somebody. I just want to be an ordinary girl, and my career's, you know, not doing well. And oh God, what have I done? The the, the unicorns are expecting this. And then she speaks to Elizabeth, who was like, "Yeah, I've heard the news." And Maria wants to write. That's one of the, the, the subplots of the thing. She wants to be a writer. She's written a story about a girl who... Sorry, a, a young actor or actress who is, who is researching a part, you know, the role of her dreams, etc., of, of an ordinary 12-year-old girl. Hence the confusion. But Elizabeth doesn't know... Uh, when Elizabeth finds out, she's like, oh, oh... And Elizabeth is there going, oh, you know, oh, it must be terrible. Oh, you know, everyone must be falling over you and, and, and treating you like a star. And Maria's like, yeah, they are. And she's thinking, oh, maybe Elizabeth understands. Maybe Elizabeth realises what it's like. Maybe she can be my friend. And then she goes to say, oh, Elizabeth, there's something I've got to tell you. And Elizabeth just comes up with, maybe I could interview you for the front of the sixes. You could put it on the front page. And that's such an Elizabeth thing to say. It's so in character and it's actually not coming from a bad place. It's not coming from the place that she was saying. It's nice and it's lovely and it's what we believe that character to be. But it shuts Maria down, predictably and acceptably and logically, straight away. She's like, no, she's just like all the rest. She's, all she wants is the scoop on the front of the page, on the front of her paper. That's what she is. She's not really my friend. And so she's like, yeah, okay, fine, we'll do a duet with bloody Johnny Buck, if you like, or whatever. And she's just back into it straight away. And that was, I thought, really, really well written and nuanced. And, you know, it, it, it was... Yeah, that that made me smile and nod and go, yeah, good work, Rapplegate. I'm guessing Donnie Diamond is over because he doesn't have a part <laughs> in this movie. That's so last week. Come on. I loved how everyone was so deeply themselves, like just solidly Elizabeth, solidly Lila, solidly the whole unicorns, but in a way that wasn't, well, from a bad place, like Graven just kind of referenced. It came from good spots, like, even when they're being selfish or self-centered or whatever, it comes in a way that doesn't seem malicious and in a way that just fits. These are the characters they are. This is, of course, how this story has to go. And it's fun. It's entertaining to read without being, without feeling like I want to burn down all of Sweet Valley. Like, yes, they're doing things that are kind of shitty, uh, all of them, including Maria, but it's all coming from a place that's understandable. And I love that about this. They're perfectly themselves, like just turned up to 100% themselves, and yet it's great. Agreed Agreed on all counts. Yeah. One of the great unicorn reactions was when they were talking about the party that Lila was throwing. 
when they're talking about trying to get new crepe paper for the for the party, they're out shopping for decorations, and there's a whole bit where Lila's like, "No, we shouldn't have pa- we, we shouldn't have purple crepe paper." Which, of course, the other unicorns are like, "What? <laughs> we are the unicorns. It's got to be purple." And she's like, "No, no. Well, my father's just had the yacht decorated in apricot and puce." You know, what colour's an apricot? What colour's apricot? It's a colour of an apricot. And what colour's puce? Pause. It's the colour of a puce. <laughs> just beautiful. Just amazing. But that goes on. You know, you're, you're there and you're like, there's the punchline, that's fine. But that goes on. To The, the girls are discussing, right, okay, so at the party when they all come, I'm going to have Kelt Kellerman. No, 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 I'm going to have Kent Kellerman. Okay, well, if you're having Kent, then I get to have Johnny Buck. And they're just having this huge, just dividing up the... The, the, the cast of famous people who are going to be there and how they're going to be discovered and uh, and so on. And it's just delightful, delightful. Uh, in that same exchange, I also love the fact that Jessica is the one to go and get a dictionary and find out what the colour of a puce is. <laughs> like, Jessica, of all people, she's probably the most likely to know how to use a dictionary, aside from Mary, who I don't think must have been there because she's... You know, right. far too sensible for that kind of bollocks. Well, Mary, Mary and Mandy would have been really good at being like, no, no, this is what it is. I also loved in that part, though, after they find out what color pieces and Jessica's a little smug over it, Ellen immediately is like, those colors sound horrible together. Maybe you should have had Mrs. Weasley. <laughs> I was like, oh, Ellen, I love you. <laughs> Ellen is my favorite character. No, no question. Unless. Unless she's at the stables. Unless she's at the stables. <laughs> that's El- that's like Ellen's evil twin. That's Helen. Helen. Nice, nicely done. I do like uh, my favourite Ellen part of this book is when they were at the emergency sleepover. And they're like, right, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to manufacture this whole thing so um, so so we can ask, ask Maria this truth or dare question. And they're there and they're like, okay, what should we do? Should we tell ghost stories? No, no, what should we do? And then, and then they all sort of, Ellen's like sat there and then they go, come on, Ellen, come on, Ellen, we're going to play Truth or Dare. And she's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, way to be subtle there, Ellen. It's actually even better than that because she's braiding Lila's hair. And she's oh, like, we can't, I'm braiding Lila's hair. That's Lila's correct. Like, this yeah. is more important. Yes. Come on, we have to oh, do this. Ellen. Oh, I forgot. So- yeah. Floating out there in Ellen's world, I uh, love it. My favorite Ellen line is coming up in in um, the Unicorns Go Hawaiian, where they're talking about a person called Bambi, and Ellen like walks into the tail end of the conversation, and someone's like, "Who the hell is Bambi?" And Ellen's like, "You know, the deer, Thumper's friend." And I'm just like, "I so <laughs> want to hug her." <laughs> that's charming oh my god that's gonna be great remember like i haven't read that book since like the 90s so it speaks how highly i think of ellen marvelous marvelous yeah everything about this <sighs> book was just a plus really wasn't it yeah it was i can't think of a bad thing to say about it to be honest i think it was just yeah just fun i say i, I did expect the whole well you know when when Maria was introduced as being African-American. I did think that that, I was like, oh, here we go. Thinking that that might cause something because that sort of thing has been touched on before. Not particularly well with the Rizzo's, um, you know, and, and stuff like that. But this, it, it was a complete non-event, if you know what I mean. It was a complete, it was just mentioned and then we move on. 
and I thought that was great. I agree. I like that it didn't center on her. Like, her drama or her troubled plot wasn't because she's black. It's because she's having struggle. She's having trouble with her career and adjusting to not having a career and lying and all of this stuff. Not because there's going to be this bunch of racism and stuff. Uh, all that being said, I I do have a couple of nitpicky points that uh, I may actually made notes on because it kind okay. of threw me a little. Uh, the, the first one does touch on the race issue in that. So this idea of this incognito star is a hugely old trope and it makes sense that I really liked it here. But when you couple that with it being a black character, especially in Lily White Sweet Valley, it really has some unfortunate implications of that idea that all black people look alike, which I, I, it's not intentional. I know it's not intentional here, but it did kind of make me go this plot. And while it is a trope and it's something that's done all the time, that's kind of an unfortunate side to that is that this idea that, Oh, she looks familiar. She looks so familiar. Why have I seen her before, before they figure it out? It kind of smacks of, Oh, she looks like some other black girl, because that's a thing that happens all the time to black people. They're mistaken for each other, even if they look nothing alike. So yeah, I was like, that's a little awkward. I don't know how they could have avoided it doing this plot, but it, it was kind of awkward. Well, I think they sort of avoided it doing this plot by having her be the only black person in the in the village. She looks well, like somebody else. Yeah, Who? literally um, never seen anyone of that colour before. But it could be... Well, people on TV and stuff like that was kind of what I was thinking, but fair. Uh, but nobody recognised her from TV. That was the point. No, Nobody, nobody recognised her at all until Jessica saw her and went, hang on, actually saw her on TV right. and then saw her name at the end of the, right. got the credits i think wing was saying that they um uh, when you said that she's the only person of color in the village wing was yeah. saying um yes but there are people of color on telly so therefore that person of color looks like a famous right. per- person of color or someone who's on a soap or someone who sings songs or you know a celebrity yeah i think the point i was making i think the point i was making was that in the book Nobody was like, oh, that that person looks like a person on telly. Um, Amy and no, Elizabeth but they spent were. a great deal of time going, mm. she looks familiar. Yeah. Mm. She looks familiar. I've okay. seen her yeah. before. Okay. <laughs> Which is like the fact that they, like, in fact, I think maybe the fact that no one recognized her until Jessica saw that uh, the, the visitor movie was, where yeah. she was a kid. Yeah. It kind of makes it worse for me because if they're like, okay. hey, I think I saw her in this thing versus she looks familiar. Uh, which is not intentional. Like I get that it's not intentional, but it definitely had that kind of implications because that's something that happens all the time to people. Uh, But yeah, like I take your point too, that they didn't recognize her specifically. Uh, Though uh, that also I found kind of funny because it just goes to how very drastically you can change in just a couple years as you get puberty, I guess. That's wild. Yeah, because Maria does comment that you know, she's had a growth. Yeah, she's tall and gangly yeah, now. Yeah, she used yeah. to be like small and chubby cheeked, and she had a growth spurt, and now she's a bit gangly. And yeah, poor kid. That would be. I mean, puberty's hard, and to go through it where you'd grown up in front of the camera, and now no one will hire you. That's gonna feel yeah. really shitty. Well, to be fair, you gotta feel so- you gotta feel sorry for someone like Ralph Macchio. And the Karate yeah. Kid, who's obviously been going through puberty since 1984, and not changed <laughs> the fucking thing about himself. Amazing. Oh, on the plus side, you know, 
at least she got out now. I mean, look at Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Not exactly. Right. <laughs> what you look at when you're like, I want my child to be a star. Corey Feldman is, ooh. On second thoughts, how do you feel about being a librarian? I do think the child stars are just inherently, it's sad. It's like a lot of times it's very sad because of all that outside stuff, the pressure that they get put into and not having familial support and just a variety of stuff that I think was really subverted here because Maria's family is super supportive Mm. and really well done. And she had a great time being an actor, even though she was lonely and didn't get to have these uh, normal experiences as she talks about. So I did like that her family's just super supportive of whatever she's I suppose she's you doing. could argue, I'm sorry for going bleak before it's bleak, that she's not actually <laughs> doing as well as she, she could be because she has that protective, supportive bubble that's not allowed allowing oh. the danger in because I've read several autobiographies where it's been implied that, you know, because the kid was sent to this party and traumatized for fucking life, they got that movie, you know? I think I'd rather take her having a a waiting career than that sort of uh, abuse. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's a fair point, but yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, maybe because her parents were so good at protecting her, certain uh certain offers dried up and they were like you know what fuck it who cares my kid's healthy and and safe let's move to sweet valley and be the only people well, of color it really could have gone again in the racist way like it really could have gone that she's not getting roles because you a little black kid's cute but when you get to be teenager then they start being dangerous or there's not roles to them and stuff and i like that it didn't go there it's just that she hit puberty and now she's a little awkward and there aren't the same kind of roles for teenage actors as there are for little cute baby actors so yeah yeah just everything about this was just awesome i really like maria i also love the fact that jessica's like so astounded that you know someone who's been in movies who's met famous people is really boring just like elizabeth (laughs) like homework and school and (laughs) writing and notepads and pens and what the fuck is wrong with you like, don't you I want an Emmy? Best friends, but she's really like Elizabeth. I don't know. I'm like, Elizabeth is supposed to be your yeah. best friend. What the <laughs> fuck are you saying right now? <laughs> I do like two, uh, but I had a bit of a complaint. So t- kind of to touch on it both. One of the things that uh, Marie is brought into when she starts writing for the Sixers is they're doing these write-ups of the various clubs for club recruitment, which this is a weird time of year to be doing that, but. I'm just going to roll with it. Sweet Valley time. (laughs) Clearly. Uh, But so what Marie does, she's assigned to the drama club. And so she and Mandy uh, end up uh, auditioning together. And I found the whole audition thing really weird. Like they had to audition to get into the drama club, which was weird in itself. But then the drama coach, I guess, Mr. Drew, is really perpetuating this idea that the only reason to do backstage work is if you're not good enough to be chosen as an actor. Because it was through the auditions that he'd be like, oh, you could be an actor in the club. And oh, you have to go do lights. And I was like, well, that's fucking shitty as a hell. Holy cow. (laughs) Yeah, I never really thought about that it's like it's a drama club can i join the drama club maybe (laughs) depends if you're any good uh are you an actor um yes i think i I, I don't know am i an actor yes we're all actors we all act all the time that time you told that the teacher that the dog ate your homework you were acting then fantastic okay can you act though no you're doing lights (laughs) (laughs) just like what 
I love backstage stuff. And I was a part of the drama group at uh, my undergrad when I was doing my bachelor's degree. And we had to do a thing to get into the at least one of the uh, groups. But that involved doing a performance to, you know, give something to the theater gods, not auditioning to make sure we could be a part of the club. <laughs> that sounds weird. Doing an, that sounds Mr. Nidekin based. That What's going on there? Let's just not talk yeah, about it. It was awesome. Yeah. It's secret society stuff. I've said too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I will say that. Yeah, that was weird, and and I felt a bit me. I felt a bit sorry for the other kids who were auditioning for the drama club. When all of a sudden, Maria, she's a famous actress. Okay, so now the auditions are open for anyone to come and watch. This isn't a performance. This is an audition. Right? That's that was really awesome. Although, to be fair, whenever we see auditions. On Amer- at schools for on American TV. They're always in a massive sort of, you know, there's a stage auditorium, auditorium. there's a table in the middle with a light on it, three people <laughs> sat behind it. It, it. Yeah, it's basically X yeah. Factor <laughs> without the amusing yes. well, stuff. The majority of times I've auditioned for things, and I've done quite a few auditions in, in my time, for in, in a school um, sort of right. environment. It's always been in the drama studio which has got like four or five seats in it and it's very black, a few blocks and a few basic yeah. lights. Yeah, there's nothing quite as... Um, yeah. It's not like, you know... <laughs> and auditioning now at the Rose Bowl Stadium. <laughs> you know, thousands yeah, it's definitely and thousands not of like people. that. So I yeah. do like that it's kind of built on that sort of, this is what people expect from television. We have to put it in a sweet valley. <laughs> so that kind of makes yeah. sense. Yeah, because our drama studio was nothing special. It was like just this tiny little room that was just like that had hospital curtains running, like, about a foot away from each wall. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, I mean, it was useful once. But the rest of the time, you would just have people running around with curtains going, I'm moving curtains for no reason. You know when you're 14 and you go a bit mad for no reason at all? <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of ours was like, I'm going to move the curtains. Because <laughs> I can. Why? <laughs> Yeah, they wouldn't let me act. He said, no, you're doing backstage. <laughs> I did really love that Maria and Mandy uh, performed together, but also that Maria is so convincingly Romeo, because what they do is they're doing the balcony scene for Romeo and Juliet, and they can't find a Romeo to act against them, and they don't want uh, Mr. Drew to read the lines, which he's offered to do for anyone that can't find a partner or doesn't yeah. want to have a partner. Uh, so they end up switching roles partway through. So Maria starts as Romeo and she's kind of dressed up like a a guy, like dressed up like Romeo. And she's just super suave and smooth and no one knows who this guy is. And then she switches out and is this amazing Juliet too. And I was like, I really like that because she does have this talent. She was a professional actor. Of course, she's going to have this ability to play things. And I also love that it really brought back her love for the craft of acting. Like she missed it. And I like that she's going to get to do that here, but I really wanted them to just do Juliet and Juliet. I was like, no, just embrace it. <laughs> Make it the queer Romeo and Juliet. Just do it. You know, you want to. <laughs> the fact that it was Maria and with a false mustache on that again, sort of makes me think, you know, if you look again at the race thing, that's true. You know what I mean? And nobody, nobody went. That's that's got to be Maria with a mustache. <laughs> Clearly, on it, really. one black person. <laughs> yeah, especially if they knew that Maria and Mary were auditioning together. Right. <laughs> they recruited a secret teenager from a different city because we certainly don't have oh, anyone else but Maria's yes, family. A big mess are infiltrated. That's what it is. 
It's amazing. Oh, being messed My favorite of their mini, 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 mini competition. My favorite Massa is Big Massa. <laughs> I prefer middle sized Massa. Also dirty. <laughs> uh, oh, just one throwaway line that I really liked with Stephen and Jessica are homesick and watching stuff together. At some point, Stephen says that, uh, oh, you know, that you would tell the aliens fake. As opposed to the real aliens that come down at you acting in Hollywood and let you know they're real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Bless him. Yeah. Actually, if anyone's going to believe in, like, actually aliens and, you know, UFOs and abductions. Oh, my God. I really hope Stephen gets abducted by aliens at some point. Huh. Yes. You just go and eat them out of house and spaceship or... Yes, he would. Uh, the fridge. Also, I, <laughs> the I feel fridge. like someone needs to do a Sim legacy with the Sweet Valley characters in which he gets abducted by aliens. <laughs> I can't imagine who writes Sim legacies. <clears throat> Not me. <laughs> well, do we have anything else to say about this book? Because I Mm-mm. think we've covered everything. The fact that we yeah. all really liked it. and yeah. yeah. I think we largely stayed on topic as well. I mean, does anyone like want to have like an irrelevant discussion about what their favorite brand of tea is? Or no, no, I want to save that for books that I don't like because <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't want to talk about them. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, should we move on to Bleak Valley? Yes. Like I said, Dove has already handled this <laughs> for us. So yes. Would you like to recap Bleak Valley for us, Dove? What? <laughs> <laughs> So, do we have any theories or ideas about uh, Bleak Valley for this one? I mean, I guess the only thing I could really... Well, no, that's just around her. I don't know what Elizabeth is doing with this book, Bleak Valley Elizabeth. Mm. Uh, I don't But know. she seems to be in a good mood. Like, it's, it's much better right? than the last book. Mm, too right. Maybe this is just one of those entertaining ones where she just needs to have a little fun. Yeah, it's not like she's hurting or damaged. She's just right. bored, and this is a fun story for her. Maybe she's had some TV privileges or something like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe actually she seen, watched the visitor. She's seen the same actress yeah. or something like that, and then oh, there's a there's an actress and there's an actress, and then thought, what would it be like if if she joined the school? Yeah, actually, I think that's really good too because even though Jessica's the one trying to befriend her. She, Maria, ends up being much more like Sweet Valley Elizabeth. And even though Bleak Valley Elizabeth really puts herself into Jessica, the best parts of her to Jessica, to try to escape this, uh, it would have to be nice to think that someone would like Elizabeth more sometimes. And so maybe that's part of it. Like, oh, she'd come in and everybody would want to be her friend, but she would choose me. That's really nice. nice. It feels like 
you know, she's she's maybe had a nice week. Like, yeah. you know, maybe Alice is in a good mood. Maybe Ned's away or vice versa. And, yeah. you know, she's been allowed to watch a bit of telly. And she's feeling quite pleased with herself because she recognised the same actress. Because it always gives you a buzz for the first time. Like, when you're like, oh, I know you. I don't even know for the first time. I still get that buzz every time because I rarely recognize people. Uh, yeah, so I like that. I think that's good. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's really nice for Elizabeth that someone like as important as an actress, if if you like place importance on celebrity, which I suspect Alice and Ned may do. Like there may oh, be some like it. belligerent jealousy, but I do. There's also that sort of. TV Guide, Us Weekly, Love the Gossip kind of reverence as well. Mm-hmm. I could see that. So yeah. the idea of a celebrity liking Elizabeth might show that she's just having a better mm. week, like a little bit of character growth, yeah. like a, a smidge of acceptance for her actual self. I like that. Which is yeah, lovely. Ah, nice. oh, so some, some some quite fluffy ideas for Bleak Valley this week then. Yeah. So are you going to drag us down then? Yeah, into the Raven, don't do it. No, no, no. I, that's usually where, when you say something like that, that's usually where this is going. <laughs> yeah, no, this no, is no, where no, he but... wades in with like, I think everybody's dead except for Elizabeth <laughs> and the, the smell of the rotting corpses is making her hallucinate aliens. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm more than happy. I'm more than happy with the Bleak Valley as it is, I think. You know, yeah. It's nice that she's having a nice time, yeah, to be Yeah, and it's only taken her 50 books. I mean, that's probably... Yeah. Well, I was going to say, is it a year if we're doing a book a week? But again, Sweet Valley time, so maybe it's a book a night. Yes. Right. I think it's more than... Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, it could be a year. It could be 10 years. It's really hard to tell with Sweet yeah. Valley. Yeah. Especially because even more than Sweet Valley, we really don't adhere to any sort of time. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, this- Cool. This works. That's why there are so many Christmases in this one school year because she has no oh. idea how old she is and she's just been told you're 12. And I Christmas keeps rolling mm. around, but no birthday. That is amazing. Not quite sure what that means for the Babysitters Club, but. Uh... Well, I'm sure we will bleak out of the Babysitters Club <laughs> now, so cool. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bleak Stony Brook just doesn't have the same ring as Bleak <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Aside from that sad realisation that it's been years and she's possibly not 12 then. Right. 47. Yeah. Yeah, That's, which is sad. But ultimately this week she's had fun. She's had TV privileges, enough to have watched two different things featuring the same actress. And she likes herself enough for her version of the actress to pick the Elizabeth persona over the Jessica persona. Yes. So, I like it. Happy I like it too. Days. Good Bleak Valley. Very nice. And on that happy note, we'll move on from the least bleak of the Bleak Valleys we've had for a while. I know, right? <laughs> and we'll discuss what we actually thought of the book and place it with our categories that we've come up with. The, the categories are five. There are five categories and they are number one, stupendous. Number two, good. Number three, meh. Number four, bad and number five kill it with fire i personally would place this as a mid good maybe even a high good it was so much fun the unicorns were absolutely wonderful 
In fact, I can't think of a bad thing to say about the whole thing. He was one of my favourites of the series so far. So definitely a high good. Agreed. Definitely a high good. I think if my stupendous wasn't the carnival ghost, this might even be stupendous for me. Uh, But it didn't quite reach that level. So yeah, high good. It was amazing. Even my little nitpicks are very, I mean, it's very nitpicky. It's nothing huge. The story was fun. The characters were perfectly themselves in wonderful ways and even bleak valley was kind of nice and fluffy so yeah high good just amazing yeah i'm just gonna jump on the bandwagon that's i'm completely there with you i enjoyed every bit of this it was fun like there was no part of it that i didn't enjoy i wasn't secretly wanting to punch amy for pages and pages which is quite often an issue that's because she wasn't in it yeah exactly (laughs) a plus it's lovely like jessica was fun the unicorns were awesome just just everything even elizabeth didn't annoy me you know everything was good so yeah and exactly the same as wing unfortunately we assigned stupendous to the carnival ghost which is notably better than than most sweet valley books because it's better than quite a lot of the same tween you know it was probably my favorite tween book right up there with 13 room 13 by robert swindles i mean it's better than a lot of the ghost stories more modern ghost stories i've read so it is stupendous on a whole new level i may have to reset my uh stupendous marks nothing is gonna hit that level your stupendometer yeah i mean i actually like (laughs) the carnival ghost more than all of the point horrors we've done as well so well it could be a case that we have a a special just sort of a category for itself you know what i mean the golden book yeah the golden book or something like that and this is the The carnival ghost level that's just it Yeah, Claire that might be worth looking Let's do it like yeah, the Claire Calder um, tribute or, you know, something to honour the dead ghost. Is it Calder or Caldwell? I don't remember. I just remember Claire. Yeah, no, I, I think I like that we're across the board on this. And I do find it interesting that we're all very happy with this when it only has an A plot. When in the last episode I was talking about how much I like the fact that an A plot and a B plot and a C plot breaks it up nicely. But I would not want this one to be broken up. I like that everything circles around this one plot. It's specifically around Maria. It was great. I mean, you could argue like the the unicorns is is like the B plot and the Elizabeth is is the C plot, but it all weaves in so well and it all belongs to the same thing. Yeah. That it all sort of counts as one, whereas mm-hmm. often they're quite different. It's like hey, Danny's got dyslexia and Jessica likes exercising. And you're like, those are two things that go hand in hand. Yeah. Or even if they tie together, right? Yeah. Even if they tie together, it's usually at the end when everything's being wrapped up. Whereas this, it was just, it's Maria's story and the different ways people react to it, sure, that maybe is A plot, B plot, C plot, but it's all about Maria coming to town and I loved that. I've just thought of why I wouldn't give this a stupendous, why it's only a high good. There was one thing in it that did not annoy me, but just made, made, me, made me go, all right, okay. It was when Maria and Elizabeth were talking and, and Maria was like, oh, I really want to be a writer. And Elizabeth's like, yeah, yeah, you should be a writer. That, that, that's great. Writing's good. And then in Maria's head, she said something like, and, you know, writing is something real. Not like acting. It's it's like a real art, not like acting. 
And I'm there just going, really? Is that what the writers are saying, is it? That writing is really important and writing is the most important thing. <laughs> and I, I, I get that a lot from any sort of writer. Whenever writers write about writing, it's always the most important thing on the fucking planet. <laughs> and so that just, I, I have a little bit of a wry smile there. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, your creative biases are showing there a little bit, Grapplegate. Thank you very much. <laughs> I so. see your influence. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who uh, aren't aware, uh, Raven went to university to, stu- uh, to study performing art. This is true. So, this is true. Uh, just to, you know, be let about his bias oh, yeah. as well. There's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with putting on a funny voice. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I mean, he's also a writer. <laughs> that is also true. And on that note, I think we've tackled everything that we'd like to say. We all enjoyed this book. I think it's probably fair to say, other than The Carnival Ghost, this is the highest collective score we've given between us. Three high goods on a trot. So, yeah. Yeah. Great work. And, uh, yes, until next time, when hopefully the streak will be kept alive, it's goodbye from me. Bye. Later. You've been listening to the Sweet Valley Online podcast on book 50, Jessica and the Secret Star, recorded on the 3rd of June, 2018. You can access all our past recaps and podcasts at sweetvalley.online, a member of nostalgicbookshelf.com. Check us out on facebook.com forward slash sweetvalleyonline or at Tumblr at sweetvalleyonline.tumblr.com. Our music is supplied by Stuart Taylor. He can be contacted at taylorstuart602 at gmail.com for all your own musical needs. We can also be found on Twitter under sweetvalley underscore devil's elbow pod and bookshelf underscore raven next week we'll be talking about sweet valley twins number 51 elizabeth the impossible be sure to join us then until next time may your career not fizzle out when you're 12